What's going on, gang? This is the Paging Dr. Teal podcast, and I'm here back at it again with the back at it again, giving you an authentic perspective on all things motivational, inspirational, and elevational as it relates to holistic wellness. I am the one and only Dr. Teal, reminding you your health is your wealth, so take care of yourself. You know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready and don't lighten up, tighten up. Thank you for supporting the Soul Lessons series, season one of the podcast. And if this is your first time listening, Soul Lessons is a series highlighting virtues, traits, and lessons that aid in emotional wellness, healthy coping, and just fucking winning at this thing called life. Because what's the point in playing if you aren't winning, right? Thank you guys for tuning in today. And I'm going to get straight to the point. <laughs> We're going to be talking about self-care today because I have not been taking care of myself. I'm just going to be honest. I have been just knee deep in work, studying for my licensure exam, trying to rehabilitate my Achilles tendon injury on my own, and just being lost in the sauce. I'm not going to lie. And so today we're talking about self-care as a superpower and how you can reclaim your time, how you can protect and preserve your energy and pour back into your cup because we can't pour from an empty cup. So from the working professional to the overworked mom or the regular schmegular degular guy or girl, we're all busy. We all got shit to do. We're all focused on our goals and keeping our lives together as well as the lives of those we love. And the fact of the matter is we don't stop and take a pause for the cause to take care of ourselves. That is our problem. That is our struggle. No one teaches us in school the importance of taking care of ourselves holistically. We're not taught at home to take care of ourselves holistically. None of that. But I am here today to help you help yourself to keep you in the game because we can't pour from empty cups, guys. So with these things in mind, today we're going to be talking about self-care as a superpower and as a means of racking up the wins and minimizing our losses. But let's take a quick break first. All right, boom, story time. So I recently went on a little adventure. If you listen to the podcast, you know I like to try new things. And my most recent adventure was going to the chiropractor. So let me tell you guys, I have been struggling with a little pain in my neck and my back. And (laughs) it's been beating my ass. I'm not going to lie to you. I wake up and my whole body is tense and in knots and then I have to commute for three hours. I'm sitting for most of the day. So physically, I've been a mess. Going to the gym isn't helping. Stretching hasn't been helping. So I wanted to try something new to alleviate some of the pain that I've been experiencing. I read somewhere about the importance of chiropractic care As well as during my time in physical therapy, my physical therapist explained to me that our body and the way that it's connected is very similar to that of a chain. And so if you get a kink in 
a portion of the chain that is your muscles, tendons, nerves, bones, etc. in your body, then that's going to cause pain and poor performance. So in the spirit of getting the kinks out of my chain, I decided to look into chiropractic care. And let me tell you, <laughs> life-changing experience. Definitely going to add it to my self-care. Game changer for sure. And so I, I, I go in, I'm a little nervous because I've had chiropractic care before after a car accident, but that was a completely different experience and not the best experience. And so I went into it a bit hesitant, but hopeful. To my surprise, when I get there, I'm greeted by this knowledgeable professional. I lay down on my stomach on this weird looking contraption with my face down. And as this lady is contorting and moving and twisting different parts of my body, she's explaining to me what she's about to do and why it's helpful. And as she explains to me what she's doing and why she's doing it and then engages in this snap, pop, crack type situation on my neck and my back and what have you, I felt all of the tension just disappeared as she twisted my neck and I thought she was going to break it. I felt the tension in my, in my neck just disappear as she pushed down on my shoulders and moved my body in a weird way that I haven't had my body move before. I felt all of the, the tension and all of the knots that I carry in my body just kind of disappear. And after about maybe I was on the table for maybe 10 minutes tops. When I got up, I felt different. I felt lighter on my feet. I felt like what Popeye must feel like when he eats his spinach or what it must feel like to get those wings when you drink Red Bull. It was it was crazy. Like I had no idea that a few karate chops on my back <laughs> would produce such a relief. And what I learned from that experience overall was that our spinal column is essentially our body's foundation. And any misalignment in that, any upsetting in our body's foundation creates weakness in the integrity of our body and so if your spine is not strong then we don't have an adequate enough foundation to support all the other functions in our body because like I said before it's like a chain so one kink in that chain upsets everything and creates a domino effect of either pain inflammation discomfort whatever the case may be And so what I loved about my chiropractic experience is they were not only knowledgeable and friendly and informative, they also gave me some information to take away with, to to educate myself about my spinal health. And and I want to share that with you guys. And so it says, your spinal column is made up of 24 independent vertebrae. This is what allows your body to move, twist, and bend through every motion of your busy day. It also encases and helps protect the delicate central nervous system that controls and coordinates every muscle, tissue, and organ in the body. 
this is this is why the first step to an active lifestyle is a properly functioning spine. When two or more vertebrae are not functioning properly, um, it is what many chiropractors refer to as a misalignment. And these misalignments are actually joint dysfunctions that can cause you to experience pain, discomfort, decreased mobility, and many other symptoms and conditions. Joint dysfunctions often go unnoticed and cause miscommunication between your brain and body. And I did not know that. Did you? So joint dysfunction in the spine may eventually lead to symptoms in other parts or joints of the body as well. These symptoms are your body's only way of letting you know that something's wrong. Unfortunately, the absence of pain is not an indication of health which is crazy because don't we always think, oh, I feel great, so I'm fine. No, that's not the case. (laughs) So it says, by the time the symptoms appear, the problem may have been present for months or even years. The great news is that you can prevent these types of symptoms and conditions with routine chiropractic care. So let me give you a quick run through of regular of the benefits of regular chiropractic care. It amazed me, it blew my mind. I hope it blows yours too, right? Okay, so it improves joint functioning, mobility and health, makes tight muscles loose and loose muscles tight and improves the contractibility, thereby strength of that muscle. It decreases the degeneration of joint and connective tissues, which contributes to arthritis or can, if not prevented. It decreases the inflammatory process, improves circulation by taking stagnant blood out and bringing new blood in, speeds up the recovery process, strengthens your immune system, can calm a hyperactive mind and energize a depressed mind, increases energy, vitality, and improves sleep, relieves and improves prenatal discomfort. So for pregnant moms, Chiropractic care is also for you. I had no idea about that. It decreases the length of labor and associated back pain, decreases adverse effects of stress, improves athletic performance in any sport, prevents ability for sickness, disease, or pain, and improves cognitive ability, aka the ability to think more clearly. So you're welcome. You're welcome. Go out there, get some chiropractic care, get your neck and your back snapped back into the appropriate alignment and thank me later. Let's get back to the show, y'all. Alrighty, gang. So today we're talking about self-care as a superpower the importance of self-care, and of course, I'm putting you on with some of my own personal self-care practices. You're welcome. But before we get into all of that, what is self-care in the first place? So let's start with what I think. (laughs) I define self-care as daily practices, habits, rituals, and activities designed to uplift, empower, and energize you to kick ass out here in the world. Self-care is an act of self-preservation and love. 
Self-care does not require a lot of money or time. It merely requires taking time and being intentional. Regular self-care can prevent the onset of chronic illness, stress-induced illnesses, or adjustment-related difficulties. And self-care is how we pour into our own cups because we can't pour from an empty cup. But what do I know? I'm just one person. So let's see what other people have defined as self-care. Well, other organizations anyways. Psychology Today defines self-care as any activity that we do deliberately in order to take care of our mental, emotional, and physical health. Although it is a simple concept in theory, it's something we very often overlook. Good self-care is key to improved mood and reduced anxiety. Then we have the World Health Organization, which defines self-care as what people do for themselves to establish and maintain health and to prevent and deal with illness. It is a broad concept encompassing hygiene, nutrition, lifestyle, environmental, socioeconomic, and self-medicating factors. Then we have the UK Department of Health Steering Group, which defines self-care as a part of daily living. It is the care taken by individuals towards their own health and well-being and includes the care extended to their children, family, friends, and others in neighborhoods and local communities. Self-care includes the actions individuals and carers take for themselves, their children, their families, and others to stay fit and maintain good physical and mental health, as well as meeting social and psychological needs, the prevention of illness or accidents, care for minor ailments or long-term conditions, and the maintenance and well-being of oneself after acute illness or discharge from the hospital. So between those four definitions, we've kind of cast a large net in regards to what self-care is and what self-care may look like. I also came across something called the eight dimensions of wellness, which I want to share with you guys. And I love how it kind of lays out wellness in a way that makes it easier for us to conceptualize and think about what self-care is and practically how that looks for us. So wellness is defined as being in good physical and mental health because mental health and physical health are linked. Problems in one area can impact the other. At the same time, improving your physical health can also benefit your mental health and vice versa. It's important to make healthy choices for both your physical and mental well-being. Remember that wellness is not the absence of illness or stress, and you can strive for wellness even when you're experiencing challenges in your life. So our health is our wealth, so we have to take care of ourselves, and we have to take care of ourselves holistically, not just focusing on our body or just our mind, but both at the same time and all of the time so that we can function optimally. So the eight dimensions of wellness, what are they? Number one, there's emotional wellness, which is defined as coping effectively with life and creating satisfying relationships. Then we have the environmental domain, which is good health by occupying pleasant, stimulating environments that support well-being. 
Number three is financial wellness, which is satisfaction with current and future financial situations because our coin is very, very important because the money that we have in our financial situation often dictates the quality of life that we can have both mentally and physically. So coins matter. Then we have four, our intellectual domain of wellness, which is recognizing creative abilities and finding ways to expand knowledge and skills. Then we have the occupational domain of wellness, which is essentially defined as personal satisfaction and enrichment from one's work. So what does that mean? That means not taking that shitty job that negatively impacts your mental health, (laughs) which we've all been victim of or had to for a period of time. But remember, your health is your wealth. You already know the drill, right? Number six is the physical domain. And is defined as recognizing the need for physical activity, healthy foods, and sleep. Number seven, social domain, which is developing a sense of connection, belonging, and a well-developed support system. You know, finding your tribe. And last but certainly not least, number eight is the spiritual domain. Expanding a sense of purpose and meaning in life. So those are the eight dimensions of wellness. And if we are tapping into those eight dimensions of wellness, emotional, environmental, financial, intellectual, occupational, physical, social, and spiritual, that means that we're practicing good holistic self-care designed to keep us ready so we don't have to get ready, right? I also want to share with you um, the seven pillars of self-care, which the World Health Organization has defined. And so with the World Health Organization's seven pillars of self-care, they include health literacy, self-awareness of physical and mental condition, physical activity, healthy eating, risk avoidance or mitigation, good hygiene, and rational and responsible use of products, services, diagnostics, and medicine. So as you can already see, the World Health Organization has more of a medical perspective in regards to seven pillars of self-care. So let's get into that a bit. Number one is health literacy, which includes the capacity of individuals to obtain, process, and understand basic health information and services needed to make appropriate health decisions. So that would mean having insurance and the opportunity to have professionals that are engaging in competent practice that allows you to be informed and empowered about the care that you receive. And I think another part of that is also us doing our own independent research and reading and using our research combined with that medical expert's um, opinion to come to the best decision in regards to our own personal health. Your health is your responsibility and should not be left in the hands of a professional. And so I think it's very, very important for us to work as a team with our providers and not just purely take their advice because they may be the expert on whatever expertise that they have, but you are the expert on you and ultimately you know what's going to work best for you. So that's health literacy. 
Then number two, self-awareness of physical and mental condition. And that includes knowing your uh, body mass index or your BMI, your cholesterol level, your blood pressure and engaging in health screening. So essentially that's preventative measures, Um, getting getting our checkups and our annuals and engaging in preventative measures to ensure our health. Physical activity, practicing moderate intensity physical activity such as walking, cycling, or participating in sports at a desirable frequency. And so that means get your ass moving. That means whether you walk, do yoga, participate in Zumba, that means that we should all be moving our body. I think the recommended amount of time is 30 minutes a day. 30 minutes in a 24-hour day is nothing. So whether it's you tracking your steps and making sure you're getting in 10,000 steps a day or having a walk after work or during your lunch break, going to the gym, Zumba, participating in some sort of intramural activity. We've got to keep it moving physically and mentally. Then number four is healthy eating habits, which includes having a nutritious balanced diet with appropriate levels of calorie intake, whether you meal prep, whether you're on, you know, Weight Watchers, using your numbers, whatever the case may be, however you manage your meals and what you put into your body, you should be fueling your body with what it needs to be great and not to be late or sick or whatever the case may be. Number five, the avoidance, risk avoidance or mitigation, which includes quitting tobacco, limiting alcohol use, getting vaccinated, practicing safe sex, and using sunscreen. So using sunscreen, so very important. If you are more melanated than others, we haven't been taught to use sunscreen and the importance of sunscreen. Use sunscreen, please. That's a simple minor preventative measure to prevent skin cancer. Safe sex if you're not in a committed and monogamous relationship and you're out here living your best life in this world wrap it up (laughs) guy or girl make sure you're using condoms and getting tested on a regular basis um vaccinations i'm on the fence about that so i won't go there with the vaccinations but quitting tobacco and limiting alcohol use major key in ensuring your health and Vitality, moderation, if you do engage in these type of activities is highly recommended. Number six is good hygiene. Washing your hands regularly, whether it's the flu, H1N1, Ebola, the coronavirus, whatever the case may be. Wash your filthy hands. Brush your teeth. Like people so many times, I know you've seen this before. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. You'll go in the bathroom and use the bathroom and then after you use the bathroom you know people wash their hands and I've watched some people will go in there and they'll run their hands under the water and walk out touching everything with their pissy wet hands on the way out the door other people they will quickly and haphazardly throw a little soap on their hands run under the water get a paper towel and leave out like so quickly 20 seconds (laughs) The CDC recommends that you should wash your hands for 20 seconds using friction and force. 
dry your hands off completely, turn the water off with the paper towel. It's the little things. It's the little things. I hate people that don't wash their hands. I do not shake hands anymore. I will high five in the air. We will fist bump. We can kick ankles, but we're not shaking hands because people do not wash their hands enough. And what burns my biscuits more than anything, especially this is a tangent, but it's random and relevant. So bear with me. What burns my biscuits more than anything, since we're talking about hygiene and hand washing practices, when someone is eating their lunch, why would you want to touch their hands? There's been so many times I've been in my office eating lunch or whatever the case may be. And someone comes in, they don't know me. They see my lunch laid out at my desk. You know, I'm having my duty free lunch and you're bothering me. But you want to come in here and shake my hands and I'm in here eating my lunch. Ew, get out of my office. Yuck. (laughs) But anyways, good hygiene. So very important. Something so just lacking now in society. But anywho, number seven, rational and responsible use of products, services, diagnostics and medicines, which includes being aware of dangers and using responsibility when necessary. So that's just keeping your head on the swivel. So for example, you're taking a medication, you should read the directions, use the medication as directed. If there are contraindications, for example, you should not take this medicine with this medicine. Don't do that. If it warns you don't drink while you're taking this medication, don't drink. Like it's there for a reason. So just be responsible in your use of services and products. So those are the World Health Organization's seven pillars of self-care. We talked about the eight dimensions of wellness, and I've given you guys some working definitions of what self-care is. I know I've killed you with the information. So let's take a break. And after the break, we'll get into some of my self-care practices. On today's random but relevant, since we're talking about self-care, I wanted to share with you guys one of my self-care secret weapons. So I am a supplement junkie. If I can take a supplement for something instead of having to take a medication, whether it's over-the-counter or prescription, I will supplement, supplement, supplement. And that's been a game changer for me. And so I wanted to share with you guys some of my favorite supplements. So I don't know if you know this or not. I didn't know it prior to actually doing the research and, you know, figuring out the the science behind it all. But so there are certain types of supplements called adaptogens. Never knew what that was before. Um, And adaptogens work at a molecular level by regulating a stable balance in the hypothalamic, pubertary, and adrenal glands. And these glands are involved essentially in the stress response in our bodies. And so they work by hacking the stress response, essentially. So it's like the body's, let's think of stress as a virus adaptogens would essentially be the antivirus right and so they they hack the stress response and typically when our bodies are stressed we go through three stages of stress right the first is the alarm phase then the resistance phase 
then the exhaustion phase. So we, we go through our whole fight or flight. We're in alarm stage, resistance, and then we're tired as fuck after we've been on a 10 all day and in stress and releasing all that cortisol and energy to be able to deal with the problem. So as this fight or flight alarm process happens over and over and over and we don't get our stress under control, it negatively impacts our immune system, which causes us to get sick affects our sleep, affects our memory and concentration. All of our functions are affected by this prolonged stress. And so as we encounter a stressor, say we start lifting weights, for example, our body responds by kicking out hormones like adrenaline that improve muscle performance and increase our ability to concentrate and pay attention to the task at hand in the face of resistance. Our body is essentially resisting the stressor so we feel energized and clearer thanks to our body giving us a boost to fight that stressor. And then as we fatigue, we enter into a phase of exhaustion. So what happens is adaptogens basically stretch out that sweet spot in the middle, that phase of resistance, allowing us to hang out in the power part longer. And stay away from the exhaustion phase and manage stress better, right? And so adaptogens have been studied in both animals and humans, and researchers have found that they have several effects on the body, including anti-fatigue properties, antidepressant effects, um, a stimulant for the nervous system, and they overall increase mental work capacity, enhance attention, and prevent stress and fatigue. Why is all this important? Because if we manage our stress better, then we're able to function better. And if we're able to function better, we're able to be more resilient and stay on top of our A game. So my top three adaptogens or supplements that I use every single day are turmeric, holy basil, and maca root. Let me say it for you again. Turmeric, holy basil, and Macaroon. Now, supplements affect everybody different. I can't tell you how it's going to work for you and if it's going to work for you. So I would suggest you try something, you know, for a period of 21 days, see how it works for you. If it works well, then go with it. And if not, then try something else or do your own thing. But for me personally, I love turmeric uh, due to its anti-inflammatory properties. I recently, well, last year, ruptured my Achilles tendon, if you've listened to the podcast before, and I never wanted to be dependent on prescription anti-inflammatories because over time, when we take medicine, the medicines have effects that adversely affect us. So we're taking something to help something, but we're hindering something else in the long run if we continue to take that medication. So I, didn't, I never wanted to go that route. And so I've supplemented my anti-inflammatories for turmeric and it's helped. I will take it in a capsule form. I purchased turmeric teas and also the actual powder to cook with at times. So that's been very helpful for me. And then holy basil is something that I've tried recently and I found that that's helped on some level with improving my sleep 
and giving me a brain boost. I'm doing a lot of studying right now. I'm just getting back into work and finding my way with things. And so the holy basil helps to keep me on my toes and my A game and give me that mental edge. And then last but certainly not least, the maca root. Now, I've been taking maca root for a very long time. Shout out to my little brother uh, for putting me on to the maca root. Um, And that has helped with my hormonal function and also endurance. So I take a combination of the holy basil, the turmeric, and the maca root along with the multivitamin every single day. I try to cook with turmeric and maca root or put them in my smoothies at times. And that has helped me to manage these periods of prolonged stress and stretch out that that sweet spot where I'm at my best and able to handle things as they come. And so I'd recommend you give it a try and tell a friend, you're welcome. Alrighty gang, we're back and talking about self-care as a superpower because our health is our wealth. So we got to take care of ourselves, right? And so I think the, the biggest challenge in utilizing appropriate self-care isn't making time. We don't have to make time. There are 24 hours in the day and we simply just have to take the time. And why is that so important? I said this before and I'll say it again. You cannot pour from an empty cup. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And if you aren't operating at your best, you cannot give life your best. You cannot give your loved ones your best, period. So how do you squeeze in some me time when you don't have time, (laughs) right? How do you do that? Because we're all busy. We all got shit to do. How do you squeeze in five minutes when you've got children, when you've got homework, when you've got work or school the next day and you want to get the kids to bed or clean up? Or maybe you don't even have children, but you're a working professional. It's very simple if you ask me. You fucking put your phone down for a minute and you just make it happen. (laughs) Whether it's a 20 minute bath, an afternoon to yourself, the key behind self-care is to plan, prepare, and execute. And that doesn't require an elaborate plan or preparation. It just requires you being intentional. And you know, the hardest part is getting started. So if you have something in mind, stop sort through the logistics and simply make it happen. It's, it's that simple. If you have a family or a lot of obligations, you know, it may require some flexibility and creativity, but it's better to take a break and give yourself a chance to refresh than being forced to stop everything because you're sick, tired, or overwhelmed. I recently discovered that I will push myself and push myself and push myself because I'm accustomed to doing a lot. There was one period in my life where I worked 80 hours. Well, 40 hours, 40 plus hours each week and didn't have weekends off like seven days a week, 40 plus hours, 80 hours every two weeks, like on the go 
all the time. Two part-time jobs in school full-time, part-time practicum student, as well as all of the extra stuff that goes along with being in school. You have to study for tests. You have to, you have papers and assignments and things like that. So my life was insane during that time. And I'm accustomed to going, 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 going. But even back then, if I did not take a day to myself at some point, take a few hours to myself to do nothing if I needed to do nothing, to rest if I needed to rest, to go get my feet done if that's what I felt like I needed in the moment. If I didn't take those opportunities, then I would get sick and my body would shut down or I would get so overwhelmed and blow something out of proportion where I was forced to kind of step back and put myself in time out. So if you don't take the time to prioritize your physical and mental health, your body will just shut down and fly out the emergency exit on your ass. So it's better to take a break than to just be taken by storm and to be forced to shut down. So you got to remember an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So cultivating small daily habits to keep you refreshed and energized will help to prevent that burnout and the inevitable crash and burn associated with overextending ourselves. Therefore, the task at hand as working professionals, as people that wear multiple hats is for us to create circumstances that will allow the time that we need to do ourselves a favor and recharge our batteries so we aren't running around on 5% (laughs) and just one bad day away from losing our mind because that 5% on our phones may be strong. I know you know this, like especially if you have an iPhone, that 5%, (laughs) that 5% will hold you down. But your body doesn't work like that. We are not an iPhone. Shout out to all the iPhone users. I'm team iPhone. (laughs) But yeah, we can't we can't operate on on 5%. And so without further ado, I want to share with you guys some of my self-care practices, hacks, whatever we're going to call them. Where do I begin? So as an avid self-carer, when I create the opportunity, well, no, let me not say that when I make the time, because I do. I'm my own worst critic. Let me say this before I get into my self-care stuff. I'm my own worst critic. So I've noticed that I'm much harder on myself than anyone in the world. And I'm sure I'm not the only one with that problem. And a big part of my self-care in this chapter of my life has been being kinder to myself. So I would have to say one of my biggest self-care challenges and daily practices that I've recently adopted is to just be kinder to myself to be more compassionate to myself, to think of myself in the way that I would think of a friend. So say if a friend was having a problem and upset about something, 
I would approach them with understanding and compassion instead of harsh judgment and non-acceptance. And so one of my daily practices now is to, to treat myself in that way. Because the, the critical, me being critical comes from a place of high performance. I'm accustomed to being able to do a lot. I, for a very long time, defined my success and who I am by my ability to produce. So in me learning new habits and redefining who I am and stepping away from aligning my identity with indicators of external success, I've had to step away from that narrative of me being so harsh on myself to produce said external success. So let me make it make sense for you. I think oftentimes overachievers are overachievers because we push ourselves. We push ourselves in ways that other people do not. And that allows us to go, go above and beyond. That allows us to perform. But in pushing ourselves, it's not a gentle push. It's not a, oh, you're great. You're doing awesome. This is awesome. You're you're this, you're that. It's not in that way. It's fucking push. It's you got this shit. Stop being fucking scared. It's very negative self-talk. I found for me personally that the, the pusher, the motivator, like my inner hype man is not a nice person at times. And so in trying to develop a nicer inner hype man, I've practice being kinder to myself and that's through different affirmations. I post post post-its all over my house that remind me of the the good parts of me and it helps to be able to see them. And so in a nutshell, I've, I've gone off on a tangent, but I think that was necessary. But to get back on topic and what we're talking about today And to make it simple to follow, some of my self-care practices include the following. I affirm, hype, organize, process, release, nourish, and challenge. I'm going to say that for you again. I hype, and I'm going to explain this. I hype, affirm, organize, process, release, nourish, and challenge. So by affirming, like I was saying about the negative self-talk and being kinder to myself, I've made it a practice to affirm who and what I am and not at all focus on what I'm not. So I speak life into myself. I affirm my strength, my beauty, my greatness. Every single morning as I'm getting ready And looking in that mirror, I have a beautiful setup in my bathroom. It's like an L-shape marble countertop. And let's think of it like a square. So one side of the the square, the the L-shape is nothing but mirrors on the wall from 
your belly button all the way up two feet above your head. And so I'm surrounded by mirrors and bright lights and beautiful gray marble countertops with the double sinks. And then I have my plants in the middle and nice lush vanilla candles and beautiful gray canisters and all of my beauty items spread across my countertop. And as I'm standing here amidst this beauty haven in my bathroom, in this mirror, basking in my ambience, I'm reminding myself how great I am, how strong I am, that I am worthy and that I am beautiful. And I start my day with this so that I'm grounded in who I am and what makes me great. And so that's been very, very helpful in me just having positive self-talk because oftentimes I found that the most negative place that we live in isn't just the world. It's our own minds. And so self-care is so important because most of the time our minds are the most negative place to live, not the world. And believe it or not, we create, we recreate our inner experience in the world. And so the key to living your best life is through creating habits and thoughts and actions that help you instead of hinder you. And so I affirm, I speak life into myself every single morning. And in that same vein, along with me affirming, I am my biggest hype man. Like I, in the morning after I affirm all of my greatness, beauty, glory, whatever the case may be, I listen to music. I listen to to songs and music that have high energy, that make me feel good. And as I'm getting myself together, I'm dancing in the mirror. I'm feeling myself. You know, I'm really in there just living my best life and starting my day on my time and my terms. So that helps me to stay grounded. And those are just simple things that I do each day to uplift myself, you know, mentally and emotionally. So I hype and I affirm because you got to be your own biggest cheerleader because the reality of it is nobody's coming to save us. We think that, well, some people, and I've been guilty of it, guilty of it in the past in thinking that somehow or another I can put being great or doing the hard work to be great on hold and hope for the best and hope that either I'm going to get lucky or somebody's going to come to save me. But the reality of it is nobody is coming to save you. You have to save yourself. So I save myself each morning by affirming and hyping myself. I speak life into my greatness and my circumstances And I hype myself up so I have the high energy to go out there and meet the world head on. So along with those two things, I am an organizer. I am an organizing junkie. For me personally, I don't, I'm a neat freak and I don't get how people function or flourish in clutter and chaos to each his own and no judgment. But for me, if my personal space is not organized, then I just feel mentally cluttered. And so my outer world 
is definitely a ref- I try to make it a reflection of my inner world. So my home is very neat and clean and organized. My office, whatever space I'm working in, there's order. I know where everything is. Everything is clean because I just don't and cannot function in disarray. And research often shows that in general, we function better in more organized spaces. But everybody's different. No judgment because I have some friends and family that they live in that clutter. And I, I don't know how they do that shit, but to each his own. <laughs> no, no judgment. So along with keeping order to my personal space, I am a avid user of a day planner. I can't get down with the electronic versions of planners because I have to see it. I have to be able to write it down. I have to be able to mark it off when I've completed it. It's very positively reinforcing for me to chart out my week and go in and mark off each task as I complete it and then reflect on all the things that I've been able to complete in that week. And so I organize. That is how I divide and conquer and take over the world through organization. And that is my means of having control over the uncontrollable. So I am an organizer. Um, Along with affirming and hyping and organizing uh, for my personal self-care, I also, I process. And by process, I mean, I really try to digest and understand circumstances and situations that I deal with. And I do that through journaling. I do that through having conversations with trusted members of my support system. And I definitely do that in therapy. Therapy has been a game changer for me. And it's been a game changer for me personally because I was very skeptical about therapy at first. And we're going to definitely have an episode about my experience in therapy. And I'm going to provide you guys with some practical tips on how to provide a therapist and give you some key insights about the therapy world. So you'll have to tune in for that. We won't get into that today, but personally speaking, I process my life and traumas and just my stuff in therapy and through journaling and utilizing my support system. And that's been a major part of my self-care and my mental and emotional sanity. Along with that, along with processing things, I like to release them as well. So it's not enough to experience it and process it and sit with it. You've also got to let it go, which is something that we all struggle with. And so in letting something go, I think that it it takes a process of letting it go physically, letting it go mentally and letting it go emotionally. So for me, in regards to self-care, to let things go, I exercise and I exercise because we carry so much tension and trauma in our bodies. And so it's not enough for me just to go and have a conversation about how I feel and write it down and talk to my therapist about it. I've also got to release the associated physiological processes and tension that result from that occurrence. And I released that by going to the gym. And I also made it a recent practice of engaging 
and yoga as well. And that helps along with the physical activity um, and releasing things mentally and emotionally. I also pray. I am a prayer. Meditation has been a personal journey of mine. And so meditation is hit or miss. But my primary go-to is prayer in regards to being able to release things in a way that aid in my self-care and well-being overall. All right. Then, so I affirm, I hype, I organize, process, and release, and then I also nourish. I also make it a point to nourish myself. And by that, I mean physically, mentally, and emotionally. And more specifically by that, I mean I prioritize my sleep. I've historically not slept well, so I do everything in my power to ensure that I get a good night's rest. No matter what, in some days it works and other days it doesn't. And the days that it doesn't work, I just have to be a bit more patient and kinder and understanding to myself on those days. And so I prioritize my sleep. I make sure that I'm, I'm eating good meals and not, you know, relying on bullshit, eating fast food all the time or all these processed foods that affect our hormones and subsequently affect our functioning and our mood and things like that. I really try to have a rest day, a day where I'm not doing anything at all. Like yesterday was my rest day. And all I did yesterday was take out my braids, some transitioning hairstyles, y'all. <laughs> and, and I just binge watched one of my favorite series on Netflix, Atypical. Check that out. It is hilarious. It's about a guy that has autism and it kind of chronicles his journey through adolescence into college and just some of the challenges that he faces as somebody on the spectrum. And it features his family who are like our families are dysfunctional and unique and just loving in their own way and a headache at the same time. So that's a great show. I definitely recommend that you check that out. It's funny as hell. Um, But yeah, I binge watched a couple of episodes and I cleaned my house. And that for me was, was therapeutic because I didn't have to think. I was able to give my mind, my spirit, and my natural problem solving (laughs) tendency a break. And so now today I feel a lot more clear headed and refreshed. So I really try to nourish myself mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And, And some days nourishing myself will be reading a good book for leisure. Other days it'll be taking a piping hot, like boiling hot bath with Epsom salts and bubbles up to my neck and incense burning and candles everywhere and some warm tea and the lights dim, just incredible ambience. Other days, that's my way to nourish myself. So it just depends on 
what the situation calls for. I try to be flexible and I try to keep it simple. But those are some basic ways that I nourish myself. And last but certainly not least on my seven self-care superpower life hacks, whatever we want to call them, is I challenge. If you know me personally or if you've listened to the podcast long enough, you by now should get that I love a good challenge. I challenge those around me. That is very much my personality and temperament and who I am and a motivator for me. And so by challenge, I mean I set goals and I like to try new things. And most recently, a challenge that I have tried to incorporate and have done successfully, yeah, has been practicing better skincare. I was noticing that I was getting all these breakouts on my face. And once upon a time, I used to have the clearest, most beautiful skin ever. And then life, circumstance, the bullshit, and a lack of self-care had me all fucked up. And so I said, oh, no, 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 no. Not on my face, not on my watch, not up in here. And so I became very intentional about not putting my hands on my face because I'm terrible with that. Like I constantly touch my face and that contributes to putting bacteria on your face, which clogs your pores and contributes to outbreaks. So I stopped putting my nasty hands in my face. I started washing my hands more just in case I did. And I tightened up on my skincare regimen. And someone told me, you know, once that in order to have great skin, you have to use like 10 steps. And I don't believe that. I think that everybody's process to whatever it is they want to do is different and it should be individualized. So for me, I made sure in keeping my skin clear that I was washing my face at the start of the day and at the end of the day. And when I wash my face at the start and close of the day, I make sure that I clean it in a surface level way. And by that, I mean, I'll use like a wipe, a makeup wipe or a baby wipe and um, micellar water. Micellar water is excellent in terms of cleansing. And so I use that to start with and then I'll do a gentle cleanser of some sort. Some days I'll use the Ambi soap. Other days I'll use a clean and clear, you know, whatever. I'll I'll have a variety to keep it, you know, spicy. And then after I've done two levels of cleansing, I'll use a toner. And right now I'm currently using witch hazel before I was using rose water. And so after the toner, I'll use a serum and right now I'm using a vitamin C brightening serum because I struggle with getting dark spots after I have like a breakout on my face. And so that vitamin C cleanser and it's just the Walmart brand basic vitamin C brightening serum fire. My skin is looking better than it's ever looked you hear me sun just be eating my face up in the best way possible shining like butter I love it so I'd highly recommend the equate Walmart brand of it's a vitamin c serum game 
changer. And so after the serum, then I'll do like a Pond's moisturizer and it's like a heavy moisturizer. I apply that twice a day and I apply it to my face and also my neck because you don't, ladies, you don't want to have that wrinkly nutsack looking neck as you age. So I think a big part of keeping your neck right and tight and having good skincare is making sure that you moisturize your neck so you're not walking around <laughs> with that creased, loose, nutsacky skin on your neck because that is not cute at all. <laughs> and so I say all that to say I really, I really, really try my hardest to prioritize my health and wellness through just affirming, hyping, organizing, processing, releasing, nourishing, and challenging myself. And those are my seven uh, self-care hacks, tips. Give them a try. Let me know if they work. Let's take a break now. All right, all right, all right. About to wrap this thing up, but today we've been talking about self-care as a superpower designed to help you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Uh, Give you guys some working definitions for what self-care is. We've identified some of the challenges that we face in trying to practice self-care and take the best care of ourselves. I've also shared with you my seven self-care tips, life hacks, uh, major keys, whatever we want to call them. And now I want to close out the show with providing you guys with some practical but simple ways to incorporate self-care into your day. Let's go. So very basic at work, for example. Self-care can be you actually taking your lunch break, stepping away from your desk, not eating while you're working, whether it's you going in your car to listen to music, watch something funny on YouTube, or sitting outside to just enjoy the weather. I used to work at a hospital, and during that time, there was like this nice, little picnic table area outside. And on nice days, I would go outside because it's like a big wooded area. Um, I would go outside and have lunch outside. And it was just so nice to kind of step away, decompress, get some fresh air, little vitamin D and recharge myself. And it was only for 30 minutes, but I noticed on my toughest days, Going outside to refresh and get some sun during lunch made a major difference. I would also recommend this if if you're at work and you happen to have your own space, your own office. Closing your door sometimes for for just a, a, a few hours or 30 minutes. Having your door closed and feeling a bit more disconnected from everybody else and the hustle and bustle can help you to kind of recalibrate, wrap your mind around the day and disconnect from the office bullshit. 
if you have that going on. And maybe even just decluttering your space and moving things around. I read somewhere that if you want to create new positive energy within your personal space, then you should move seven things, just seven things. And that has the ability to create more positive, renewed energy. So those are some things that you could try at work. I have a close friend that I work with and she no longer works with me now, but we worked together before and, you know, she's like family to me now. And so we keep in contact. So although I don't have anyone to vent to and lament to at work, you know, whenever I'm stressed out about something, I will give her a call. So sometimes if you can schedule permitting or whatever type of work environment you have, phoning a friend instead of you know, cussing your supervisor out or engaging in workplace gossip, conserve your time, protect your energy, step away and, and phone a friend, phone a friend, get the reboot that you need from somebody that you know and trust and understands you and go back in there with your game face on. Self-care is not just something that we can do at home. It's something that we can absolutely do at work and should do more of at work because of the stressful nature of the workplace. Some other practical things that you can do. You can try unplugging for an hour and that means switching everything to airplane mode And freeing yourself of the constant bings and dings from your phone, whether it's social media, emails, whatever the case may be, disconnect for an hour and really reconnect with yourself or your family and see how that kind of helps you to manage your stress. Also, we are multitaskers. We constantly, and I'm guilty, very guilty of being a multitasker. We're constantly doing 10 things at one time. And what happens when our attention is divided in that way, it becomes a practice and it becomes a habit and it makes it harder to focus on one thing when you have to. So if you're accustomed to, for example, having 10 windows up, 10 different windows up when you're on the computer and that's how you multitask. If that's a practice that you operate in in your daily life, essentially having 10 windows open and doing 10 things at a time, your attention becomes so divided and so used to functioning in that way that when you're required to focus on just one thing at a time, it feels impossible. It feels crazy. It creates anxiety. It becomes difficult to do that. And in life, there are times and situations that require our undivided attention. And those times include times with our children and our loved ones. And so multitasking is a gift, but it can also be a curse. So I'd highly recommend the practice of sometimes focusing on just one thing at a time, whether it's your mealtime, instead of eating and watching TV and checking emails, focus on your meal. Focus on eating or focus on having a conversation with your family and using that time to connect with your family as opposed to being productive and doing everything else. So that would be something that I'd highly recommend.
What else? Practical self-care tips. Help somebody. Helping someone or volunteering when possible can definitely help you to be more grateful for your circumstances and put life into the proper perspective. You know, life is not just about ourselves and focusing on our own motivations and goals. It's also about connecting with others, our family, our friends, our loved ones and our community, you know, because it takes a village. We don't exist here alone. So in the same way that we pour into our families and our friends and should be pouring into ourselves, we should also prioritize connecting and pouring into our community because it absolutely takes a village. It absolutely takes a village. Of course, I'd always recommend journaling and exercise and meal prep. Those are basic things that you can do. Journaling helps with the processing of your emotion. Meal prep is a time saver. It allows you to prioritize eating nutritious meals with no excuses, which is just important for daily living, functioning, your sleep, whatever the case may be. You know, what we put into our bodies contribute to what we get out of our bodies. So meal prep is always going to be my number one recommendation for uh, self-care practices and things like that. And even if meal prep is far-fetched or you don't have time for it, you could even try making one small change to your diet for a week. So let's say you make the plan to drink more water or drink a gallon of water a day or have an extra portion of a vegetable um, in a meal or have a meatless meal. Making small changes like that overall can ultimately lead to bigger changes because they say it takes 21 days to create a new habit. So imagine if we all decided, okay, I'm going to practice better self-care and I'm going to do that by prioritizing my mental health, my physical health, my emotional health, and my spiritual health. Those four things. I'm going to prioritize those four things by creating one new habit connected with that. And I'm going to do that each day for 21 days. If we all did that, if everybody in the whole entire world (laughs) vowed to do that for 21 days, I guarantee you coronavirus would be no more (laughs) and the world would be a much better place to live in. So I challenge you. I challenge you. Maybe some of the things that I discussed today are helpful for you. Maybe they're not. Maybe you have some ideas of your own, whatever the case may be. But I challenge you moving forward after today to make self-care a priority for you by creating one new habit a day, one new small habit a day that contributes to your holistic wellness, whether that be something mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual. I challenge you to that. And I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear after your 21 days how that worked for you. Okay?
Well, guys, we're out of time for today, but you know, I'm never out of solutions. Be sure to check me out on Instagram at paging Dr. Teal. We've got the website coming soon and merch in the works. Yes, yes, we got all that coming soon. I'm Dr. Teal reminding you your health is your wealth. So take care of yourself. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And of course, mind the business that pays you. It's good for your heart. Later, guys.